0: kids program is amazing and it, it also includes our, our like uh, Christmas dinners and things like that, Christmas hampers for, for dinners. If you read in, in uh, Acts, which we are in, if you're doing heart strong, that's what we're in now. We're, we're reading through Acts. There's a, there's a line in there where it says, and they shared everything in common and no one had need, All right? And you may often, what does that look like in 2023? Part of it looks like our gift for kids and our Christmas hampers. Making sure that everyone in our church is not in need at a season when, when we give gifts to each other and have Christmas meals, we wanna make sure that everyone in our family here has what they need to be able to uh, have Christmas where we celebrate, uh, and I know, I know, don't get caught up in all the trappings of Christmas as far as all, all that sort of stuff goes. It really is, though, a celebration of Christ with us, right? And that when we gather as family or as the groups of people that we gather as, for us as Christians, it's a celebration that God didn't just stay separated from us, but that He came down in human form, Emmanuel, God with us. And so we want to celebrate that. And we want to make sure everybody in our church can celebrate God with us this season. And so next week... Uh, when you if you want to uh, give in the tithes and offerings and designate for a gift for kids we would love to have you participate with us in making sure that everyone in our church in canada and in orleans that any family has what they need to have uh, a christmas to celebrate god with us it'll be awesome Uh, Like I said, we made it all the way to a new book in the New Testament. We've gone through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We went through the four gospels and now we're into the book of Acts, or it's sometimes called Acts of the Apostles. This book can be seen as telling about the birth of the church how it went from 120 in an upper room to where we are today globally, those that gather on Sundays and worship God. Christianity being one of the most significant influences on the modern world. No matter what your history with the church is, whether it's been good, it's been bad, it's been ugly, whatever your history with the church is, what began, 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, recorded in Acts holds significant truth and purpose for us. Now, the book of Acts uh, and the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, they were both written by a doctor named Luke, right, who was also a uh, a follower of Jesus. And It should be read kind of like a a part one and a part two, an act one and an act two. You can see if you were to read the beginning of both of those two books. Luke addresses his book to a certain person, saying, here's what I'm telling you here. And then, he, or well, sorry, in Acts, he says, I told you about this in my gospel. Now I want to tell you about this in the Acts of the Apostle. It's a second part, one being the good news of Jesus and the second being the good news of our life in him through the Spirit. Acts picks up right where the gospels end. Jesus has been crucified. He has been buried or put in the tomb, but then he's risen from the dead. And he was appearing and speaking to to followers of him uh, about the kingdom for about 40 days, appearing to almost 500 different people. And Luke records Jesus' final moments on earth. They, just like all the other moments of his life, they hold specific meaning and truth for us. Just like it was pertinent for the first disciples to heed his words, there's a call for us to understand their implication for us today. Imagine what that would feel like at that time if you were one of those first followers of Jesus. You were one of those 120 that were gathered, listening closely to what he'd have to say that he had died, that he had risen again, that he kept appearing out of nowhere, sometimes walking through walls and closed doors and just, boom, he's there to be able to, to show himself to you and inspire you for what he has for you, encourage you. And it all feels like he's preparing for something to actually happen. Where he's getting you ready for this moment where Israel is about to become what it's supposed to become. What all of your scriptures in the past have prophesied about Israel rising up and they're like, this is gonna be it. But then all of a sudden his language starts to talk like he's leaving. He's not staying around. That. He supernaturally has risen from the dead. And you're like, well, what else, what else is there left to do? He, the, the guy can die and come back to life again. He has all power. We're about to get on this. and But he talks about leaving. That's where we find ourselves at the beginning of Acts. It says in Acts 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, And while staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What's up with God and us waiting? Have you ever felt like you've had to wait on God for something? The Bible talks about how we have to wait on him for strength, that we wait for joy to come in the morning, that you have to wait for it. Well, we're going to talk about that, but not yet. You'll have to wait for it here in the sermon too. (laughs) To see it in its proper context, we we need to understand that this book isn't a book about the feats of the apostles. It says the acts of the apostles, but the focus isn't necessarily on their heroic acts. This isn't a knockoff book of some Greek mythology book. There's this isn't stories of like Jason and the Argonauts. If you ever read those or the tales of Hercules doing all his different quests. That's not what the book of Acts is. We're not supposed to read it as look what all these superhumans did, you know, on the name of Jesus. They just went out and they did these things. That's not what it's about. There's no heroics like that. Luke points in his gospel to the fact that Jesus is what Israel could never have accomplished. And when we read all of the gospels, we see that they continually point out people called Pharisees, people that are doing their quote unquote heroic acts, but they're not measuring up. Luke doesn't want us to read Acts or the book uh, about the apostles and see them doing their heroic acts, but he wants us to see a book about the life of the apostles in Jesus. That they are doing something that in their own strength they could never accomplish. Maybe you could look at it this way. Think of Acts as an account of what yours and my life would look like making a Jesus-sized difference. Don't think of them as as something super special, the disciples, but put yourself in that place. What would it look like if Jesus had said, said to you in those moments 2,000 years ago, come, follow me, that you had seen him die and then rise again and then he says to you, hey, I'm going away, but don't worry, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. And then Luke writes a gospel account of, or an account of all the things you did because the spirit filled you for his purpose. It's no different. It's no different. Yes, the apostles had a particular mission that they had to do, but so do you. So do you. There's no difference in the fact that God has purposes and plans for your life that you need to follow. But to live that Jesus-sized difference, making a difference in the world, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the teachings, you have the miracles, you have the cross, you have the empty tomb, but now you need the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus doesn't want a repeat of man's religion. He doesn't want us to repeat us doing things in our own strength. He's seen that for thousands of years and it never has worked. It's pointed to the fact that we need Christ crucified on the cross for our salvation and we need to be filled with the presence of God in order to live out a sanctified, holy, empowered life. We're supposed to mirror the relationship that Jesus had with his father in heaven. And the only way we can do that is through the power that Jesus gives us to have that relationship. And so Jesus asks them to wait. Wait for what is promised to them and that will soon come. Because God's wait, much like soon, is not meant to be a burden to bear, but a gift to receive. Now, my family, we've gone on a lot of road trips for vacations and things like that. Any of you guys done vacation road trips and things like that? Show me your hands. Some of you guys, yeah, a few of you, you've gone on trips. Now, some of our trips have been a little, a little far, right? We don't necessarily just go down to whatever, down to the beach or something like that. Sometimes we'll go down, way down to Virginia, all right? That's a good 12-hour drive straight, right? That's a long way. Now, if you don't know, my family, there's eight of us, eight of us, eight people, one car. Yeah. All the belongings that you've packed and stuffed all around you to fit into a vehicle to drive 12 hours to get to a place. Yeah. I know what you're thinking already. Nope. (laughs) But everybody who's driven that Everybody who's driven that knows the questions that we will inevitably be asked when taking a long journey like that. What are the questions? Let me hear it, right? Are we there yet? I don't even understand why you asked that question. Is the car still moving? Then no, we're not there yet. Yeah, uh, well, I have to go pee. I will let you decide on your own which is the worst traveler in my family because there's, yeah, all right, we're not even going to get into that. We're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into that. I've done a lot of work healing myself for that. We're not going to go there. But how much longer, right? That's the follow-up question. Are we there yet? Obviously not. Then how much longer? That's the question that follows, isn't it? And so again, just so that you can see that the disciples, they're not all that different than you or I. They're exactly the same as us, because that's exactly what the disciples do with Jesus. Jesus says, hey, hey, I want you to hang out here, OK? Just stay, in, stay here in Jerusalem. Just wait. It's, it's going to be all right. And what do they say? Acts verses six, 1, verse 6 to 8, which is following, just following what he says. Like, hey, I want you to hang out and wait for the Holy Spirit. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Lord, are we there yet? How much longer until you restore the kingdom of Israel, Lord? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the time or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Man, I should have used that line on my kids, right? It's not for you to know the times that I have fixed for the arrival at our vacation. (laughs) (laughs) But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples, just like we would be if we were in that, if we didn't know the rest of the story. Because remember, they again, they don't know the full story, right? They're figuring out the story as it's going. They failed to comprehend the largeness of the mission of God. Their minds were still focused on A people, a nation, a a chosen future that excluded others. That said, here's us, Israel, rising to the place that we are going to be and be through us. All of the world can be saved because they're going to look at us and see how great we are. They could not see what God had planned. At that moment in time, while the kingdom of Israel was not fully restored, they were still being ruled by Rome. Jesus gives them the plan for about for what is about to happen, filled with the power of the Spirit, it will not only be for Israel. What starts in Jerusalem, in that upper room, will reach Judea, it will go to Samaria. And if you remember, Samaria is full of Samaritans. And we know that Jews and Samaritans didn't see eye to eye, did not get along, they'd go out of their way to miss each other, to one day reaching Cornwall orleans canada but they'll need to wait the person of the holy spirit will infill you with power to usher in a gift a present that the world needs to see through you god's asking the disciples to wait isn't to frustrate them but to fill them with a new power to live and share the story of jesus And they're waiting, it's now our waiting. One day this kingdom will be full, but it's not that day yet. It's not that day yet that the kingdom is fully come. The kingdom is here, but it's not yet finished. The final glory of God is not yet come. In the waiting though, there is work to be done. We know that Paul calls our righteousness filthy rags, right? He talks about the best things that we can do for God aren't all that great if we do it in our own strength. He doesn't look at that and go, that's amazing. Here's your gold star. He looks at it and says like, "Why, why aren't you working through the power that I give you? There's so much more available to you through the spirit, through my power to do what I've asked you to do for the work to be done well and needed to be done by someone who is fully righteous. The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential to our sanctification, which is becoming holy like Jesus. And along with the word of God and each other here, God uses all three things, the Holy Spirit, God's word, and us as a community to be more like Christ. God does the work as we submit to Him, to His will for our lives. So 50 days after Jesus has died and rose again, 50 days after that weekend, that Passover weekend, it was Pentecost in Israel. They celebrated a feast, an agricultural feast uh, focused on the harvest, the first harvest of barley and wheat and things like that. And it was called the, the offering of the, the first fruits of the harvest, where they brought the first fruits of everything that they had, they had harvested as an offering. Only this Pentecost would be unlike any other. And again, if we remember, I think we've talked about it in the past, but if you're new here, Pentecost literally just means 50, Five zero. Because it's 50 days after Passover, they celebrate Pentecost. From the first Passover in Exodus... It was 50 days until God brought the law with Moses, a way to live and be set apart and be different in the same world. And it's 50 days since the cross and the resurrection. And now the Holy Spirit arrives to empower that first 120 to be set apart, to live different in the same world. They weren't changed from a, to a different world, but they were set apart by the Holy Spirit. Now, we can get it a little mixed up sometimes. We think maybe they stayed in the upper room for 50 days, but they didn't stay in the upper room for 50 days. They waited approximately 10 days. Jesus had appeared to them in multiple places along the shoreline, along a road, in rooms, at different points, over a 40-day period. And it's on that, on that 40th day when Jesus ascended into heaven that they went to Jerusalem and waited about 10 days. And he appeared, uh, like I said, he appeared to them. They didn't know how long to wait, though. They didn't know that Pentecost coming would be the end result. They, they weren't putting together the pieces of the puzzle to foresee that what was, what was Old Testament salvation from, X, from Egypt and then the law that brought them order for their lives and a new, a new way of living, they didn't foresee that this Pentecost 50 days after Passover would result in life in the spirit. They couldn't foresee those things, so they waited not knowing when it would come. But they did know the power of the Holy Spirit. They had seen it in the life of Jesus. Paul would talk about how Jesus had been, been uh, filled with the power of the Spirit to do his, his ministry. They knew what it was like. They had seen it and they had even experienced it. At one point, Jesus had breathed on them, giving them the power of the Spirit to go and preach and to cast out demons and to do miracles in their ministry. They knew what it, would, it could look like, but they didn't know what Jesus meant in this sense. And now we arrive at the gift or the present, if you will. Because in Acts 2, 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. In that place, there were men, there were women, they were young, they were older, and they were all together, united in one place, waiting on God, seeking God for what he had for them. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and they rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Men, women, young, old, all filled, all speaking in tongues. Do you remember what Jesus said to them? That their witness would start in Jerusalem and then go to Judea and Samaria, all the way to Cornwall. Acts 2, 5 says, they were now dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Whether they they had migrated back uh, from a diaspora, from being kicked out of their country because they were ruled by other nations and they spread them out everywhere to, to give them less power to fight back against, against their oppressors, whether it was them making their way slowly back, whether it was those that were coming back to Pentecost for Pentecost harvest celebration, all that was in Jerusalem at that time represented the nations even though they were Jewish. Jewish because they had, knew, they had other languages that they spoke. Similarly to today, when you, if you were to go to Israel, you'd find Israelis from every nation that the first language that they would know would be the language of the country they came from. That's what they spilled out of the upper room. The Feast of Pentecost, again, Like I said, it was widely celebrated by Jews and they were in that place. God fills them. They speak in other tongues. And this shouldn't be missed. The speaking in tongues is a two-part miracle, both in what they spoke and what others heard. They speak in, in languages they did not know, but each person, each Jewish person that hears them in the streets is hearing them speak in their native language. We have no indication here that, that they all paired up like a, 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 like a Tower of Babel 2.0 when they, they found somebody that was speaking their language and connected, we have no indication that that is how it happens. It sounds more like they just spill out talking and whatever they're saying, people are hearing it in their language. They're hearing them utter something and they're interpreting it auditorially as their language, hearing them glorify God. And all were amazed and perplexed. Because you see, wherever God moves corporately, there's multiple types of responses. There's some that will say, what what does this mean? What is happening? What does this mean? All these people, we, we can tell that they are Galileans. They're not from all over the place. They are actually just from Galilee which in Canada would be like Newfies. They're like Newfies. All the Newfies spill out talking in other languages, right? People can barely understand Newfies, let alone a Newfie speaking another language. But they spill out and they're like, this does not make sense. This does not make sense that they're all speaking these different languages. And some respond going like, this must mean something. There must be something going on here that I need to understand. But another group, how do they respond? They're going like, these guys are drunk. They're drunk. They're drunk on new wine. They've had way too much to drink. And to put that in perspective, this is during a festival, right? This is during Pentecost, a big party, right? Because this was a celebration of the harvest, the celebration of everything that happened. It was also called like the festival of tents because everybody would come to Jerusalem and they all camp out in a tent for a week and have a party celebrating what God had done for them in the harvest. So they're like, man, these guys have overdone it, right? There's two responses that are seen there in that moment. I encourage you, when you see God move, when you see something happen, that your response not be to dismiss it and mock it, but your response is to say, what does this mean? Could this mean something? Is God doing something through this that I should pay attention to? Or should I just, just let it... Let it sit there for a bit rather than mock it and dismiss it. Where am I here? All right. That's what happens when I talk with my notes, without my notes. I lose where I am. So what exactly did they receive? What happened in that moment that they all of a sudden had tongues above them and the spirit in them and the and gift flowing? 50 days earlier, or roughly around 50 days earlier, Peter, he denied Jesus. He had totally failed. He had totally lost what was happening in that moment. When asked, Do you know, you're you're with Jesus? He's like, Not a chance. I don't know that guy. Imagine that. 50 days. We're not talking years. We're not talking a long time. We're talking fresh in your memory, right? And he's been restored, right? Jesus said, hey, listen. Like, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. He's spoken to him gently and kindly. But here he is. Here he is. Imagine what that feels like to walk through that. Jesus, though, keeps working on him. He's been restored. He's full of purpose. Because when it comes to faith, sometimes you need to fail before you can truly fly. Some of you know that. Sometimes, some of you have, have, you've known what it is to fail God like that, where you're like, man, did I ever, like there was a moment where I could have said yes and I just flat out went the other way. There's moments where we may feel that in our lives, but I want you to understand this though. No matter whether you you failed him on any grand scale like Peter did in those moments, every time, every time, we need to humble ourselves and acknowledge that God does the work for the spirit to let us fly like we talked about there, we need to humble ourselves and realize we don't have wings. We're not doing any flying in our own strengths. Any move of the spirit within us has nothing to do with us other than us saying, God, do what you want. Do what you want. There's no power in who we are in ourselves to do these things. It's all God. So Peter, standing with the 11, and that's as a sign of leadership that the, that the disciples had, because I'm, I'm sure the, the 120 were still present. They all spilled out of the upper room and were talking. But Peter spills out, and he quotes from the book of Joel, and we see that in Acts 2, 17 and 18 and, and beyond. He says, in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on what? All flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not just Israel, not just a select group of people maybe within Israel, but anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The power of the Spirit falls on everyone, is for everyone, and can reach everyone. If you're skeptical, if you look at that and go like, "Ah, I don't know how this really works out in our life today. Peter says it again in that same inspired message. He says, now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? They realized the depravity in their own lives and said, what do we need to do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So what's up with God and us waiting? God uses waiting to prepare us to receive the power to live out his purpose. So what does this passage tell us about the Holy Spirit as we've read so far? What are some things we can, we can look at and see? First thing I'd say is that the Holy Spirit, the, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit is a promise to us. We can easily read there that we are included in the everyone, the, the poured out for all those, even those who are far off. The Holy Spirit is a gift that's promised to us. Secondly, the gift of the Holy Spirit is worth waiting for as its power for our witness. Jesus said to them, don't leave this room until you receive the Holy Spirit. We can see that there's value in in seeing that the Spirit is there for our life in Christ. We can see that the gift of the Holy Spirit comes on his terms, not ours. They do nothing to manufacture it. They only obey God. It comes on God's terms. The gift of the Holy Spirit could come not only only individuals, but in groups. We see that uh, again in Acts 2.4 and later in 4.31 and 10.44 that groups were filled with the Spirit. We also see that the gift of the Holy Spirit is often given as God deals with the flesh. There's a dying to self and there's obedience. What does this passage not teach us about the Holy Spirit? This doesn't teach us that there's a formula to receiving the Holy Spirit. There's no way for you just to go like, if I do this, do this, do this, boom, guaranteed got the Spirit just like that, just like they received it. It's going to be, I'm even going to have a little flame above me. There's no formula to receiving the Holy Spirit. What We also can, like this doesn't teach us, is that we can earn the gift of the Spirit by seeking it. Earnestly seeking it doesn't make you qualified for it. Because again, like we said, it comes as God wills. And tongues is a gear, we, we, we don't learn, and again, what we don't learn is that tongues is a gift necessarily guaranteed for everyone, but the Spirit is. We see them filled with the Spirit, but this does not say that everyone must speak in tongues. It just says that they spoke in tongues. So we don't extrapolate from this that it must be what everybody experiences but everybody experiences the spirit of God. Paul would say, I wish that all would speak in tongues, but I wish more that they would seek the greater gifts. So we don't put an emphasis on the gifts of themselves specifically. We put an emphasis on Holy Spirit. We put an emphasis on saying, I need God's presence in my life to empower my life for the work that he has for me. The gifts are secondary to the Holy Spirit. I need Holy Spirit. And however he wants to empower me for the mission that he has for me, that's great. Because it's not gonna be me, it's going to be God through me. The birth of the church began that Pentecost Sunday as the spirit was poured out on all who believed. Men, women, young, old. And the church now is for anyone and everyone. And because the church is for everyone, it takes each one of us to answer the question in our own language, our own culture, gender, or even generation. What does this mean? Making a Jesus-sized difference is all about answering for others. What does this mean? What does it mean for you to wait for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit? What does it mean for you to let God deal with your flesh, to die to self, and to humbly obey what Christ compels? What does it mean for you to be empowered to witness wherever you go Wherever God takes you by the Spirit, what does it mean for you that there are acts for you to make a Jesus-sized, Spirit-filled difference? To clearly live what Jesus means, we need the same power, the same presence, the same person of the Holy Spirit as the original 120 as we'll read this week in our daily Becoming Heart Strong Bible Readings. And again, I encourage you, if you're not a part of that, read with us as we read through scripture. All of our teaching that we do, our teaching team and all of our campuses in in Cornwall and Canada and Orleans, we we choose scripture out of our daily weekly readings to, to speak on each Sunday. So come along with us on the journey. But as we'll read, The spirit would not reside solely in those 120 for very long it wasn't just in them and they didn't just do the work and then say well the rest of you guys you just gotta you gotta figure it out on your own you gotta deal with this as you will you just gotta obey and follow through with our rules no the holy spirit was for everyone we see in acts 14 17 it says now the apostles of jerusalem heard that samaria had received the word of God. Samaria, the Samaritans, those ones that the Jews didn't really associate with, those people that were like on the outside because they they did things a little different. They had received the word of God. They sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is available for all of us. If you found yourself trying to follow God and you're trying to live this out and you just find yourself not being, continually going like, I just don't have any power for this. I've been trying in my own strength to follow Jesus and do the right thing and I'm just... I'm constantly just turning back to my old way of life. I don't have any power to live this new life out that God has asked me to live out. I encourage you that it's found in abiding in God and in the presence of his spirit in your life. We cannot follow Jesus as he asks without the power of the spirit and an abiding presence in him. There's no way to do it. You'll constantly find yourself falling short and lacking what you need to do what God is asking you to do. So as we close, I ask you, what does this mean for you? What do you need to do with what you hear? And I would invite you, if you would like to receive prayer, to receive the Holy Spirit. I invite you to come forward at the end of service, but come only with expectation of God's presence, of the Holy Spirit filling you, not with expectation on a specific gift or how it's going to manifest in your life, but that you need Holy Spirit. I encourage you again, read Acts 1 to 10 this week continue to practice sabbath i cannot stress that enough to you to learn what it means to rest in god god has not designed you to go seven days a week working hard he's designed you to have rhythms of rest in your life rhythms where you can just sit in the presence of god allow his spirit just to to wash over you to fill you with purpose and power for the mission that he has for you but it takes Sabbath, it takes rest to allow God to have that space in your life. Find rhythms of rest in your life. Let's pray. God, we just thank you. We thank you that there is a promise for us in your Holy Spirit. God, there's actually no way that we can live this life out without the power of your spirit in us. Jesus, we call on you for salvation. We say, God, I can't do this in my own strength. We hear your call to us to say, come. You say, come to us all who are weary and I will give you rest. We hear you call. God, we wanna receive that rest of st- from striving, of trying to do things in our own strength and we can never do it. we receive that rest, God, but we also wanna receive power to live the life that you have through us through your spirit. So God, I just pray for anyone here who is yet to receive your spirit, empowering them for the mission that you have for them, God. We're today, They would not dismiss or mock what you have for them, but today would they say, what does this mean for me? Is there power in the Holy Spirit that I've not yet even thought of accessing in order to live out what a Christian life? God, we stand in faith and in obedience that your Spirit will be poured out on us. we invite you God we invite you into this place we wait on you We don't seek manifestations, we don't seek the external, we seek your spirit. We seek your spirit empowering us. We seek your spirit teaching us your word. We seek your spirit leading us, guiding us. So we submit to you God. We wait for you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I encourage you again, if you want to receive prayer for the Holy Spirit, just to join us at the front. We'll pray for you. We'll pray that you receive what God has for you. And, uh, for those of you already filled with the Spirit, already walking in His ways, I encourage you, abide in Christ. Every day, abide in Him. Don't walk away from who Jesus is and what He has for you. Stay in Him, and you will find the Spirit empowering you for the mission that He has for you.